Well, church family, it's good to see you today. And what happens 21 days from today? Easter Sunday, that's right. That means what happens 19 days from today? Good Friday. When we remember what happened, where that power of the cross was demonstrated. And so, you remember last week, most of you will remember that we gave you two books, At the Cross, with the people who were there. Remember, we gave you two so that you could read one and give one, or give one and read one, whichever way you wanted to do it. And each of those has an invitation to our Easter Sunday celebration, our resurrection of Jesus Christ celebration, because he is still risen. And so if you have not given that one book out for sure, this is the week to do it, because we want the people that you're giving it to an opportunity to read it and to be able to to engage with it a little bit, let the Holy Spirit work on their lives, and, and hopefully they will come and hear more about the power of the cross on Easter Sunday and the power of the resurrection as well. So, um, these are the only two books that were left over last Sunday. It was it, just two books were left over. So, this is what I'm going to do. I know that those of you who are online had no opportunity to pick one up, and we gave them all away, but these two. So, it wasn't like we could just say, come on down and grab a, a handful. Now, we want you to give one away and read it, or better yet, give both away and then download a readable copy on your Kindle or on your iPad or tablet, whatever it may be. It's free, it won't cost you anything to do that. And go to our webpage and it'll help you to be able to accomplish that. And so, um, you know, we want you to be giving these out. But for those of you who were not here last week or not here today because you're online with us, this is what I'm gonna do. For those of you who are online, the very first one of you who gets a who does an electronic connecting card. Go to our webpage. You'll be able to do that. Many of you already do that already, but this is what you have to do. And that connecting card, you need to fill it out and you give us our name, give us your address, okay? So we know where to send it in case you don't, are not in our database yet. And we want you to, to go ahead and give us that information and you have to say, okay, I'm gonna give that away. I'm gonna give that one book away because we're only gonna send you one. But we also want you to, it's in this book, we want you to give out at least one of these cards, these True Life Weights cards, to somebody else, okay? So you're going to give away one of these and one of these, at least. And so you're going to mark, I will be giving out, at, on your next steps, one of these, okay? So first one that gets it in, we'll send it to you tomorrow, okay? We'll put it in the mail and we'll get it to you wherever you're at. Now, I know if you're not in the area, you're not going to invite people to our worship service, but you can invite them to go with, go, come with us online. But better yet, why not invite them personally to go with you wherever you live on Easter Sunday to be a part of that? So make sure you get that done. Get it done right now because the first one that gets it back is going to get it. Now, for those of you who were here last week or you weren't here last week and you did not get a book or get two books, that leaves me one left. And so this is what I'm going to do. I'm not looking right now, but the first one who has their hand up, this is, I'll give out five of these and this. Raise your hand, and you'll get this book today. Do I have any takers? I see one. Okay. 
All right, it's up here on the, Marty's up here, okay? So you'll get five of these in one book, all right? And, um, and so thank you. And so be praying about, if you haven't prayed about yet, who are you going to give it to? Make sure they get it this week, okay? Now that means you're going to have to come to an understanding maybe between a husband and wife about who gets one. Who do you give it to? Or you just both download the Kindle version of it and read. Great story, great chapter today. Remember I asked you to read one chapter a day, a week. And so to this week we're in chapter two. And chapter two deals with a faithful servant. A dedicated servant of Jesus Christ, Mary Magdalene. And you're going, to find, you're going to find three myths about her debunked, but even more important, you're going to find five decisions that she made that changed her life. And you know what? There are five decisions that we need to make as well. So read that chapter this week, because I don't have any other reading assignments, so go ahead and just read. Oh, wait a minute. There are a few other reading assignments. But this is the easiest of them, okay? So read this one and get chapter two read if you haven't read that yet. And uh, then next week, we'll look at chapter three. So uh, let's bow in prayer as we come to God's word now. Father, we want to thank you for your love and your grace in our lives. We thank you for just how we see you working in people's lives. We thank you that we have an opportunity to gather together as the body of Christ and, and to be able to see some folks being able to come back because they've, they've had vaccinations now or, and are, are, are able to come back. And Father, we pray for those who still are not able to be back. We pray that you would continue to watch over them and to strengthen them. And, and Father, we pray for uh, some of our church family who are, who are hurting right now, who are ill, who are who are facing very serious um, complications and diseases and, and, and father and cancers, and we pray that you would just be with them, be with our, our, our Judy and Judy, our two Judys who are down in the valley uh, struggling and fighting um, right now with cancer. And, and Father, we pray that you would watch over them and that you would, that you would raise them up to full health. And, and Father, we pray for Julie who's struggling with pain. And, and Father, we pray that you would just meet her needs and, and Father, we thank you for the blessings that you're bringing into people's lives, people who are, who are feeling better and able to get around. And, and Father, we praise you for that. And today we pray that your spirit would move and work in our hearts and lives, that you would touch each of us, that you would, that you would just kind of convict us where we need it in terms of, of our lack of prayer, and especially in praying in faith. And, and Father, for, for those times when we knew what to pray for, but we didn't, Father, forgive us. And, for those times that we've prayed and, and even in, in big faith and you've answered, we want to praise you for answers that you've given. So now, Father, we pray that you'd use your word to speak to our hearts and to our lives, for we pray these things in Jesus' most precious and holy name. And all God's people said, amen. Okay, let's get right into this today. Remember, we were going through the New Testament uh, in our Immerse um, Bible studies, our 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 growth groups that are meeting throughout the week online on Zoom meetings. And if you're not a part of one, you can still get in. It's not a problem. So go ahead and, and just show up at one. That's all you have to do. Go to our, our website, use your ministry guide. Um, there, it's really easy to get into a Zoom meeting. You've got five opportunities during the week to get into one. So I encourage you to do that. And uh, we're reading through the New Testament. And this week, uh, we are in, in our 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 week where we're looking at just the gospel of Matthew. And for those of you who are yet to start Matthew, because your last, your last growth group uh, from last week is this Sunday, is today, is this afternoon, um, we understand that. So tomorrow you'll start the book of Matthew. For those of us who have a Monday night growth group, 
Um, we're almost through the book of Matthew, and maybe you are already through it. Maybe you've finished now all five days. And, and congratulations to you if you've done that. Uh, and what a great book Matthew is, isn't it? And, and so this is what we're reading this week. And so this, this morning we're going to be in the book of Matthew. And uh, today, as, we, as, we're, as we're immersing ourselves in God's word, uh, we're looking at Matthew chapter 20 uh, today chapter 20, verses 29 to 34, as we look at this crash course on how that we can ask in faith. How do we learn to ask in faith? That's what we're looking at this morning. Uh, so jumping right in, let's look at verses 29 and 30 uh, that we're looking at. We're in the New Living Translation as we're reading through the Bible this, this quarter, and it says, as Jesus and his disciples left the town of Jericho, a large crowd followed behind. Two blind men were sitting beside the road. When they heard that Jesus was coming that way, they began shouting, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. Now, Jesus uh, stopped, as we're going to read, uh, when he heard that, and he asked a question. And the question wasn't very complicated. The question was simply, um, what do you want me to do for you? Because they haven't said yet, have they? Just have mercy on us. So he said, okay, well, let's clarify that a little bit. So what do you want me to do for you? And you know what they answered? They answered very simply, we want to see. We want to be able to see. We want our sight restored because they were blind. Now, in this story, we're not told who these two men are, but in Mark's account of the gospel, which we've already read, uh, by the way, a couple weeks ago, in Mark's account, uh, we're given a name of one of them. We don't know who the other guy is. His name is never given, but one of them was named what? Starts with a B? Bart. It was Pastor Bart. No, it wasn't. It was, it was his great, 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 great grandfather. No, but Bartimaeus was his name. And so we have Bartimaeus, the blind man. And, and in Mark chapter 10, verse 52, uh, this is what we read, uh, because this is not in the Matthew version, but, but Mark shares this part of it. Go, for your faith has healed you. Mark 10, 52. Go, for your faith has healed you. Now, now, when you read those words, go, for your faith has healed you, and you might, I want you to underline those words in your Bible if you've got the Gospel of Mark up somewhere. Go, for your faith has healed you. Um, that might be a surprising statement to you because it's a little bit startling that Jesus gets confronted with these two blind men said, what do you want me to do for you? I want you to heal us. I want you to heal me. I want, you, I want to see. I just want to see. And, and we think, well, what's so significant about that? What's the, what's, the, what's the faith issue there? Because Jesus doesn't say, okay, I'm going to heal you because of something spectacular you've done. He said, it's your faith. So where's the faith in that? Certainly, this kind of faith has got to be a little bit different than, than four men who carry their, their crippled uh, buddy to a house where Jesus is because they know Jesus could heal him and tear off the roof of the house and lower their friend down into uh, that house at the feet of Jesus. Um, that's, that's pretty spectacular faith, isn't it? And it's not the kind of faith, it doesn't seem, that, that the woman who had this, this issue of blood for years and years and years fights her way through a crowd saying, if I only can touch the hem of his garment, 
then I know I'll be healed. Doesn't seem like that kind of faith necessarily, does it? Or what about the centurion who, who says, I've got, a, I've got somebody in my household who is, who is, who is, is ill and needs to be healed. And, and Jesus, you don't even need to come to my house. Because I know that if you just say he's going to be healed, he'll be healed. That seems pretty spectacular. So what did Bartimaeus and his buddy do on the roadside that day? All they said was, Jesus, would you heal us? We want to see. We just want to see. Maybe, just maybe, there's a lesson there. A lesson that we all need to hear today. A lesson that, that we need to put into practice. So that lesson, I'm going to call our, our truth for the day. This is our truth for the day. And, and I'll tell you right now, as you, as you read there, that this is, this is part one. Our truth today, part one. Never done that before. We're going to have a part one and a part two. So this is part one of our truth for today. And it's simply this. It is that, that asking is an act of faith. That simply asking is an act of faith. We don't often think that, do we? Sometimes we just, we just find ourselves asking and, and we don't even think that there's any faith involved. But, but asking is an act of faith. Back when I was in the Navy... Every once in a while, I would have to go across country, and the Navy would pay for the ticket. They would make the reservations on an airline, and they never used Southwest. They just, they just didn't. They always used other airlines, the kind of airlines where you don't stand in a cattle line uh, to, to get in and, and you know, get there first and, and get under number one, that type of thing. It wasn't that. You just got a ticket. And they also always booked us in coach. Now that means in that day that, that, that we would get on the plane and we would walk through first class that had already been seated. And they were being treated like kings and queens. And then if there was a business class, we would walk through the business class and they were being treated like princesses and princes. And then we would get to that other curtain, remember there were curtains, so we would go through that last curtain into coach, that place that separates the caste in our society. And so I had made my trip with everybody else through first class, through coach, into like the last seat, no, way back by the end of the plane, and you know what's back there but you already had an assigned seat, so it wasn't like you could bump somebody else. So I was seated, and I was seated on the aisle, and a guy across from me was seated on the aisle opposite me. And the, 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 the flight attendant came through before we left, and the guy sitting across from me said, excuse me, I noticed that there were five or six seats in first class that were empty. Do you think that, that I could get bumped up there for free? She looked at him, and she said, Sure, I think I could do that. So get your stuff and follow me. So he grabbed all the stuff out of the overhead and underneath the seat and lugged it up there and, and got into first class. I'm thinking, guy, now he's being treated like a king. 
It's being waited on hand and foot. And I'm sitting back here at the back of the plane. And you know, inside of my head, I'm thinking, I would really like to be up there. I would really like to do that, but what if I ask? And she said, no. What if I ask? And she said, well, just because I did it for him doesn't mean I'm going to do it for everybody. So no, just sit here by the restroom in the back of the plane. And I may come back and see you later on or I may not. How embarrassing would that be? So I didn't ask. And I sat in coach for the whole flight. And you probably have seen that happen, or maybe you've seen that, something like that. And, and that process reminded me of verse in, in James chapter 4, verse 2. In James 4, 2, James, the, the brother of Jesus, said this. He said, you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. You don't have what you want because you don't ask God. You're not asking for it. And if you're not asking for it, you're not going to get it. There's no way that this flight attendant was going to give me that seat up there if I wasn't even going to ask her, and she didn't. And, and that's just kind of how life goes, doesn't it? And, and many times we don't get things from God. We don't, we don't have answers to what we think we would like to have from God simply because we never asked for that. And, and so, um, you know, um, as I think about this, these two men on the side of the road who are blind could have ask just to be healed and that was enough because it demonstrated faith on their part they said this is what we want we want to be healed and so it demonstrated that faith and jesus healed them because simply asking is an act of faith just saying god this is what i want you to do jesus would you answer this prayer for me this is what i need or this is what i believe that 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 i need to have happen in my life would you ask, or would you give that to me because I'm asking in faith? And so this morning, as we're going to take this closer look into the lives of, of, of this man, Bartimaeus, and the things that he did in terms of what was going on and the interaction he has with Jesus, um, I want you to see that, that asking God for anything in and of itself is always an act of faith, and God responds to that faith. He always does. He responds to that faith question. So there's three things that this story, I believe, teaches us about how to ask in faith so that we can grow, not just in asking, but asking in faith. The first thing that we see in terms of learning how to ask in faith is to ask immediately. That when there is a need, you need to ask immediately. You don't waste time. You just go ahead and do that. Because as soon as Bartimaeus and his friend heard that Jesus was passing by. Now, they're blind, remember? And so when they hear that Jesus is passing by, what do they begin to do? They begin calling out, Lord, have mercy on us. 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 And they just keep doing that. They just start saying, Lord, we want you to have mercy on us. Now, I don't know how much they knew about what Jesus was doing because he had a really pretty spectacular ministry going on in terms of touching people's lives. And, and, you know, obviously they're not reading the newspaper because they're blind. They're not out watching what he's doing because they're blind. Maybe they're listening to CNN radio, the Canaanite News Network radio, 
and then they're hearing that. I don't know, but we don't know what they know, but they know something about him. They know some of what he's doing. Otherwise, they would not have been saying those things. And so when they know that he's coming by, they're going to say, immediately, we need what Jesus has. He's coming by here, and we're not missing our chance for God to work in our lives. This may be the only opportunity we have. We certainly can't chase after him. So if we don't, we don't approach him today, right now in this moment, it's going to be too late. And so immediately they start crying out, Lord, have mercy on us. The problem, unfortunately, that most of us have with prayer is this. Prayer is not always our first action. We have a need, but prayer is not always the first thing that we turn to. In our old nature, we don't do that. In our old nature, we say, there's got to be something else I can do other than just pray about it. There's got to be, I'm a guy, I've got to fix it. I've got this fixer mentality, and so I've got to be able to fix it. Or I'm just, I'm just a pretty smart guy, or a pretty smart gal, and I'm going to fix this thing. And so we don't turn to God. We try to fix it ourselves uh, without getting God involved. We don't want to bother him about it, or we just think we don't need to. Um, and, and often, if we're honest, we'll say, I just think I can be more efficient than God is here. I can get this done right away. Because if I ask God, what's he going to do? If I ask God to intervene in my life, in this need that's going on, I can either do it myself, or I can trust God to do it, but if I trust God to do it, he might make me wait. And really, that wasn't what I wanted. I kind of want it done right now. And he may say, okay, but you're going to wait a little bit. Or if I ask God, he's probably going to say, okay, but you're going to have to repent first. There's a sin issue here, and you're going to have to get that dealt with. And I really don't want to deal with that, so I just... I just say, I'll do it myself. Or we're, we're kind of thinking that, that it would be easier just to try to do things on our own. You ever find that many times? That you try to teach somebody to do something, and you realize, I could just do this faster by myself. And I could get it done the way I want to get it done. And so if I can just answer my own prayer request, then I'm going to get it done quicker, and I'm going to get done what I want done. But that seldom works, does it? This doesn't work that way. Uh, and, and so as a, as a last resort, if nothing else seems to be working, then what do we do? Then we'll try prayer. And of course, when you go through that process, we say, no, I can do this easier, I can do this on my own, I can take care of it, I don't want to repent anyway, then that's not prayer and faith. When you finally get around to saying, okay, God, everything else has failed, can I come to you now? There's, there's no faith involved in that. That's a very shallow amount of faith at best at that point. So, <clears throat> excuse me, asking of faith is always going to require uh, an action that is immediate. That you say, okay, God, this is what, need, what, what, I, what I sense that I need or that you're wanting to do in my life, and so I'm going to come to you with it right now. I'm not going to put any of my input into it. I'm just going to simply believe in you and trust in you to do whatever it is that you want to do. And, and so that kind, of, that kind of faith and waiting says that, that I am really believing in God to take care of this need in my life. Back in the, in the early days of computers, 
Barbara and I had gone to San Diego to Santee and we were pastoring a church there in Santee and, and computers were still relatively new and they were relatively expensive. I mean, even by today's standards, they were more, they cost more. Uh, I remember when, when the, the IBM com computer came out, it was like $3,200. And for $3,200, you can get a smoking computer today. Back then, that was way out of my wheelhouse. And so I always had kind of broken down, parted out computers. And so, so when they wouldn't work, I was always trying to figure out how to do these things on my own and how to fix them and things like that. And, and, it, and they just never, it might work for a little while and then it would not work anymore or it just wouldn't work at all. And I would, and I would go around to, to people that I, that I knew that might be able to do some computer stuff. But there was one guy in our church, John. And Barb knows who he is. John V. Uh, uh, he was, a, he was a, a neat guy. He worked for the Navy, uh, which made him even a nicer guy. He'd been in the Navy, and now he was working for the Navy, and, and he was their IT guy. And I remember I was having a real problem, and I'd gone to people in the church. I'd gone to people that I knew in the community, and, and, and you know, kind of like, you know, where's the geek squad? Only geek squad didn't exist back then. Um, not, you know, not in terms of coming to your house in a geek car, squad door, a car. And so I, I tried everything I could think of, and I finally went to John. I said, John, got some time that could help me with this? And he said, why'd you go to all these other people? Why didn't you just come to me first? And he had a point. Because I knew he could really fix it. I just didn't want to ask. I didn't want to bother him. I didn't want to admit that I was too dumb to get it fixed on my own. And so, so you know, he said, of course I can fix this, but why don't you come to me first? And so from that point on, until he moved away, he was my go-to guy. I had a computer problem. I put, got rid of everybody else's phone number and, my, you know, and said, this is one guy, just go to John V. He's going to take care of it. And so we spent a lot of time over the years because I still didn't have a $3,200 computer, so it was still parted together, but he made all the parts work uh, when, when they needed to be. And so that's kind of what we do with God, isn't it? We say, God, I didn't want to bother you, or I didn't want to admit to you I couldn't get it done, or it makes me feel inferior, but God, I'm finally coming to you. And he says, well, why didn't you come to me first? Why didn't you just come and share with me those things that you needed to have done? And so when we don't call on God first, we're demonstrating what? We're demonstrating a lack of faith. We're not saying, God, you are the number one in my life. You are the Lord of my life. You are the first and only resource that I need. He says, that's what I'm wanting. That's what I want. That's what I'm wanting for you. And, and so, so Jesus says, if we ask, that we'll receive. In fact, in Matthew chapter 7, verse 7, is a passage of scripture that you, I've given to you before as a memory verse, and, and you probably know it by now, um, but you know, it's, it says you, know, you need to ask and seek and knock, and it seems pretty, logist, sort of pretty logical then at that point. And so in the New Living Translation, it says this, keep on asking and you'll receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. Now, in the New Living Translation, which is my go-to uh, version of the Bible, normally I, I use that, except in this course that we're doing right now, this, 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 um, this, these crash courses that we're looking at. But 
there it just says ask and seek and knock. But in the New Living Translation, it says keep on, keep on, keep on, keep on asking, keep on seeking, and keep on knocking. Now, the, the Greek word, the Greek tense of, of those verbs, ask, seek, and knock, can be translated just ask, seek, and knock, but they are, they are probably best translated keep on asking, keep on seeking, and keep on knocking. Why? Because it is always a continuous action. There are times when you will just keep on asking, keep on asking God to say, God, this is something that needs to be done in my life. Or you'll keep on seeking for that answer. You'll keep on knocking at his door saying, God, I'm still, you know, I'm waiting here. I'm waiting and I'm waiting. But I want you to know I'm waiting actively. And so I'm expecting you to answer. And, and that's, what's, that's what's going on here. And so these blind men ask immediately, and they did what? They kept on, it says. They kept, they kept on asking. It wasn't just one time. And so the next thing that this story tells us about how to grow in our, in our asking in faith is not just to ask immediately, but also to ask defiantly. Ask defiantly. You say, are you kidding me? You're telling me to be defiant? Yes, I am. Because that's what these guys were. That's what, that's what got Jesus' attention, apparently, was that they were asking defiantly. Um, and and by, by that, I mean that these men began calling out to Jesus. The Bible says um, that they called out so much that people around them got a little bit aggravated with them, got a little bit annoyed with what they were doing. They were making too much noise. And so there was a confrontation if you will, that went on. Kind of like when you go to a movie theater. Now, movie theaters are, in, are open again a little bit. And you've been in a movie theater, I'm sure, where there was somebody who was talking out loud, making noise during the movie. It's aggravating, isn't it? Unless you're the one doing it, then it's fine. But if somebody else is doing it, that's aggravating. And maybe you have in a fit of your old nature coming out, said to somebody, be quiet! You're interrupting everybody. By the way, I just read in, in uh, an article this week, a couple of days ago, that in one state where the movie theaters have just opened again, people had gone to the movie theater. Somebody was talking, somebody said to them, hey, be quiet! they turned around and shot the person. You might want to watch that. Don't be the one that gets shot. Don't be talking in the theater. Just watch the movie. So these guys are saying, Lord, have mercy on us. Lord, have mercy on us. And finally, the crowd around them say this, Look at, look at verse 31. Be quiet. The crowd yelled at them. Not just said, quietly be quiet. Said, be quiet. But they only shouted louder. Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. Be quiet. Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. Be quiet. Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. 
They were doing that defiantly. Who are they defying? They were defying the people who said, don't bother Jesus. You're keeping us from hearing what he's saying. Don't do that. Stop it. And they just kept doing it anyway. And louder and louder, you kind of get the sense of, of this, this, this huge commotion now that's going on around there. And, and, this, and, and these people, this group of people are surrounding the beggars, and they decided that it was their job to put them in their place. These are just beggars. So knock it off. Knock it off. Come on. There are, there are thousands of sick people. There are thousands of people who have, who have, who have born, been born blind or born without being able to speak or born with, with, with being crippled. All this stuff. What makes you think that Jesus wants to bother with you anyway? You're just this beggar. Or you're these two beggars. You're not worthy of Jesus stopping to listen to you. So just stop it. Cut it out. You're ruining our day. And they probably were thinking, you know what? I don't care what the crowd thinks. I want Jesus to have mercy on me. And so they just kept calling out. Now, when you are defiant, when you come to God defiantly and you say, okay, God, I am going to keep on and keep on and keep on coming before you and, and people around me are not going to like it, there are two risks that are going to be, you're going to have to take. And it's almost always going to happen. One of the risks is that you are going to antagonize people around you. So one of the risks is just antagonizing people around you, much like happens in the movie theater. And so you're antagonizing people. Now you've got to think about these two beggars. They're blind and they're beggars. Who do they get money and food from? The very people they're antagonizing. So they were sure they were tempted to think, well, if we keep doing this, these are the people that feed us. And if we antagonize them enough, maybe they won't give us any more money or they won't give us any food and our livelihood's gone. And so... When you antagonize people, that might mean that there's some relationships that get kind of messed up. But if you're believing in faith, if you're asking in faith, it may take that to say, what I'm asking for is more important than, than what I might get from people around me. And so there was, this, there was this, this issue of antagonizing people. And then also the other risk is that you're just taking a risk of looking foolish. The risk is that you're going to look foolish uh, to people around you. Um, so think about that. What if Jesus had just ignored these two beggars? They're having this confrontation. They're shouting out, Lord, have mercy on us. Be quiet, Lord, have mercy on us. And he just walks them by. Doesn't engage. They're going to look kind of foolish, aren't they? And so when you're doing that, you're going to maybe look foolish to people around you because because. What if God doesn't stop and answer? So it becomes a faith issue, doesn't it? There's this faith issue that happens. Why would Jesus pay attention to me? And so you don't ask. And so like me, you sit and coach for the entire flight because you didn't ask. Because I didn't want to look foolish if she said no. 
don't want to look foolish if God says no. I don't want everybody to know what I'm asking for, and it's really a big deal, and yet, if God doesn't answer, I'm going to look foolish. I don't know if that's how I want to be presented to people around me that I know. And so, you have to decide that maybe, just maybe, I can stand there and let the king of kings pass me by like Bartimaeus and his friend did. Or maybe I'm not about to let that happen. Maybe I am not about to let Jesus pass by without asking, without engaging with him. This is my chance, and I'm not letting it go. And so they decided to, to chance the ridicule, and they said, okay, Jesus, this is what we want. And, and so in doing that, they are doing what? They are demonstrating faith. They're demonstrating the faith that they need to show to Jesus. And that means that sometimes when you ask of Jesus, especially big ask, you're going to have to be willing to defy people around you. And you're going to be defiant to, to what they're saying into your life. And say, I don't care what you're saying because I don't believe it's true. I believe that Jesus does care about me, that Jesus will hear me, that Jesus will answer. And I may have to wait a little while. I may have to keep knocking, and I may have to keep seeking, and I may have to, to keep asking, but he is going to answer. And I'm not going to stop just because you tell me I'm supposed to stop. Now, Yogi Berra, uh, and I love, you know, like Yogi Berra, he's passed away now, but he was a, a, you know, this great hitter and was a, a catcher for the New York Yankees. And, and, and I, love his, I love his yogiisms, like, you know, um, you know um, one time he said, I know I'm ugly, but then again, nobody bats with their face. I don't know, maybe he got hit in the face sometime, that's why he was ugly, I don't know. But he was a really good batter. And so it doesn't matter what I look like. But one thing he said that I don't agree with, I think he's wrong on this one for sure. He said, we don't just, I said, why don't, he said one, one day and he was catching in the middle of the game and, and the opposing batter came up before he stepped in the batter's box. He crossed himself, probably Catholic, and, and then he stepped up and Yogi looked up at him and said, why don't we just play the game and leave God out of this, Okay. I think he was wrong in that. Because we listen to that thing, well, that sounds reasonable. There's, why don't we just go through life and leave God out? But you know what? Everybody has a right to be able to talk to God and ask God for what they need. Every ball player has a right to say, God, help me to play a good game today. Every, every businessman has a right to say, God, help me to make a good, a good deal today in my job. Every teacher has a right to say, God, would you please help me to teach well today? Every pastor has a right to say, God, would you help me to preach well today? Lord, helping Jesus is what a congregation has a right to ask. And you probably are saying that all the way to church. Would you please helping Jesus? He really needs it. You have a right to do that. Just don't tell me you did it, okay? But you have a right to be able to do that. You know, everyone has a right to come 
before God on a daily basis with their daily lives and say, God, would you help me to get this done and to do it right and to do it well? And I realize that, that our world is in turmoil and there are all kinds of serious global issues that are going on right now. Uh, and, and you would think that God's probably a little bit busy dealing with all those, but I got to tell you that God who is busy dealing with all those big global issues that are surrounding us is also willing to stop and help you with those issues in your life that don't, li don't seem to line up with all the big ones that are out there. God, I've got a test that I need to do well on. Would you help me in study and doing well on my test? I've got I've to do something at work tomorrow that's going to really stress me out. God, would you help me in that stressful situation? God, I've got problems with my children. Would you help me parent better in this, this situation? And God, I, I've got problems with my parents. Would you help me be a kid better in this situation than I've got going on right now? Every one of us has a right to come before God, and God doesn't say, well, you know, you're in a game right now. You just play the game. I'm only dealing with the big stuff. We all have a right to come before God, and, and if you want to experience God's power, then you're going to have to defy the critics and the skeptics and ask anyway, even if it puts you at the risk of looking foolish. But that's the kind of faith, that, that's the kind of asking that demonstrates real faith. And then thirdly, not only do we need to ask immediately and defiantly, you need to ask specifically. We need to learn how to ask specifically for what we need. When Jesus heard that the men call him, uh, he stopped and asked them directly. In verse 32, he says, what do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? You know what? They didn't hesitate. They didn't hesitate. They said in verses 34, uh, 33 and 34, it says, Lord, they said, we want to see. That was a specific, wasn't it? I want you to see what Jesus was doing. Jesus felt sorry for them, it says. Boy, if there's ever a reason to ask, to ask immediately and defiantly and specifically, is that those few words, words right there. Jesus looked at them and felt sorry for them. God knows who you are. Jesus knows who you are. He knows those things that are hurting you. He knows those things that are, are confounding you. He knows those things that are holding you back. And he feels sorry for you, and he wants to do something to help. And these men asked specifically, and he was able to help what their need was. And so he, he touched their eyes, and instantly they could see, and then they followed him. They didn't, they didn't say... When he said, what do you want me to do for you? They didn't say, uh, um, uh, could you just kind of make us feel better? Could you bless us somehow? Could you just give us a little something? Well, they didn't do that. They knew exactly why they were calling out to him. They knew exactly why they were trying to get his attention. Lord, have mercy on us. Because as soon as he said, what do you want? They said, we want to see. We want our eyes fixed. We want to be able to see again or to see for the first time. We don't know whether they've ever been, ever been able to see, but they wanted to see at that point. Now, there's a couple things I want you to note here real quick before we close. First of all, they knew exactly what they wanted. They knew exactly what it was going to be. And so it wasn't that, that him hawing around. They just said, we want to see. 
And we've got to remember that God cannot answer a prayer that we haven't asked. I've got all kinds of answers for you, but I want you to come before me in faith. And so if we're not going to ask them, then they're not going to get answered, are they? And so you have, to, you have to know exactly what you're asking God to do. And it, no, it, you know, it just does no good to ride and coach all your life and then complain about it if you never ask to be upgraded. And so sometimes you're going to say, God, I would kind of like to be upgraded here with this answer. I, this, I, you know, I just think that this is something that you would do. I want you to do it, and it's a big ask. I know, God, but I, but I want you to do that. And when you ask specifically, then, then that asking is a demonstration of your faith. Um, I once uh, uh, heard about a seminar leader, uh, a goal-setting seminar leader, and uh, he, said, he said, who wants to have more money? And naturally, they all want to have more money. And he picked one guy, and he walked over and handed him a quarter and said, there, you have more money. I don't think that's what the guy had in mind when he said, I would like to have more money. And so you've got to ask. You've got to be willing to say exactly what it is that you need. And, 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 and then some people will say, but what if I'm asking for something that's not in God's will? Well, when your relationship with him is right and you're at that point where you can come to him uh, with that kind of a request, he's going to tell you if it's right or wrong. He'll let you know soon enough. And if it's not his will, he's going to get you going in the direction that it doesn't want to answer. And so, you know, you just, you just say, okay, God, this is where I think you're leading, and so I want you to, is this what you want me to do? Or is this what you're going to answer? And you just ask about that. And, and, um, and you don't make the mistake of trying to edit uh, in advance all the things that you're asking about. Because that's what we do. We say, all right, God, I need to know what I need to do about my job or my marriage, and so I'm going to kind of edit here, and, and then you can kind of, you know, Fill in where I haven't edited, right? You know, don't, don't try to edit God. Just ask. Just ask. And then the second thing I want you to, to look at and notice is that they asked for it all. They just asked for it all. They said, God, I just, we just want it all. We want to see. If they'd asked for a few coins, I believe that Jesus would have probably given them a few coins and then went on and they would have still been blind. Or if they said, Jesus, we want food. How many think that he could have fed two blind men? He did pretty good with crowds of 5,000 and 4,000, plus their wives and children. I think two guys on the side of the road he could have taken care of. But they still would have been blind. And that's not what they wanted. That's not what their real need was. They needed to see. And so they said, Jesus, we want to see. And so they asked for it all. They weren't afraid to ask for, any, for everything. And they, 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 they weren't about to say, Lord Jesus, would you just give us a pup tent in the corner of the glory, of glory land? What they said? We want it all. We want a mansion. We want a mansion in glory land. And so they said, I want to see. We want to see. So, the truth for today, part one. How many of you can say it without going back and looking at it? Truth for today, part one was asking is an act of faith. Now to finish part two, not only is asking a part uh, as an act of faith, but also 
how big your faith is is revealed by how big your prayers are. If asking is simply faith, then asking in big faith is revealed by what I'm asking for. What am I willing to trust God for? What is it that I believe that God wants me to have or to do or to think or to whatever it might be, what ministry it might be? What have I been unwilling to ask for because I thought it was impossible? I think it's impossible for this to ever happen. And because I've decided it's impossible, I'm not going to ask God about it, even though he's laid it on my heart. Even though I know that it is something that, that is needed. But I won't ask him because it's bigger than I am, and I think it's impossible. But remember who you're talking to. Are you talking to a God who says, boy, I'm glad you didn't ask for something that's impossible because I'm not very good at that. Or are you talking to a God who says, you know what? I just spoke everything in this whole universe into place. There's nothing that's impossible for me. It wasn't impossible for a young teenage girl to get pregnant without a man. To be, to be a virgin and give birth to a child. Nor was it impossible for me to raise Jesus from the dead for all of eternity. Why would you edit God there? And so, when you ask how big you're asking, talks about how big your faith is. How big are your prayers? Think about that. The things that you prayed about in the last day or the last week or the last month, have any of them been challenging to the point you think, I don't think this will ever happen? It's too big to happen? Or are you praying right now for something that you know is too big for you to do and to accomplish on your own, but God to do it? That's going to determine. That's going to reveal how big your prayers are. And just like Jesus spoke to Bartimaeus and his friend on that Jericho road 2,000 years ago, I believe he's standing right here before us, and he's asking us, what do you want me to do for you? What is it that you want me to do for you? How big are your answers going to be? Are you willing to ask and keep on asking? Are you willing to, to ask even if it puts you at risk of looking foolish? Are you even willing to ask if it is going to be impossible from your standpoint? Or are we just going to stay safe and think God never in, does anything special in my life? I never see God working in my life. It's probably because we're not asking correctly. Because we're afraid to keep on asking. We're afraid to look foolish. And we know that it's impossible for me to do. When you ask God for anything at all, you demonstrate your faith and the size of your faith is revealed and how big your prayers are. So I want you to be unafraid to be like these two men on the roadside. Jesus, we're not letting you pass by without asking. Jesus, we're not letting you pass by without Jesus, we're not letting you pass by without asking. Have mercy on us. What do you want? Well, here's the specific right now. It's big, I know. It's bigger than me. It's bigger than us. It's bigger than my family. It's bigger than my church. Oh, I'm going to believe you. 
And so I'm going to ask you for all of it. Here it is, Jesus. You know what the, the neatest part of this story is? We read the verses already, but down at the very last, in verse 34, after Jesus had healed them and they could see, it says in verse 34, instantly they could see, then they followed him. Then they followed him. They couldn't have done that before if they were blind. That would have been really tough to do. If they didn't have jobs, they didn't have any money, they, would have, they couldn't buy bus tickets or anything else, it was going to be really hard for them to be able to follow him. But the real benefit to these blind beggars was not that they could see again, it was now that they could follow Jesus and they did that. Immediately they started to do that. I don't know what it is that God's speaking to your heart right now that he wants you to do, but I will tell you this, that if you don't ask for it and you don't let him answer it, then it's going to be really tough for you to follow him. It's going to affect your walk with him. But it doesn't have to, because you can ask. And then you'll be able to see. And you'll be able to follow. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, right now, I know there's probably some people in here and there's probably some people at home that are thinking, I can't ask God for the biggest thing I need. I can't ask him to save me, to forgive my sins, because they're too big. I am so broken, and there's nothing good in me. And I'm afraid to ask because I don't want to look foolish. I don't, want to, I don't want to antagonize people around me. I don't want to know that I am that broken to the point where even God would say no, so I'm not going to ask. Father, help them to know that the power of the cross already has proven that they're not so broken that you will not save that they're not so broken that you cannot touch their lives, that you will not forgive every sin and wash them whiter than snow and give them new life. We pray right now, Jesus, that they would trust and they would trust in faith by asking, asking for all of it. Jesus, I want my sins forgiven. Jesus, I want to know that I have a home in heaven. Jesus, I want to know that I have a relationship with the God of this universe. And I know that it has to come through you. So, Jesus, I'm asking for all of it right now. And I'm going to repent. And I'm going to, I'm going to acknowledge my sin. And I'm going to walk away from it and walk towards you. And, Jesus, we thank you that you're going to say yes. That you're going to stop and feel sorry for them because you've already proven that. You've already stopped and went to the cross and died in their place. So we pray today for their salvation. Pray for all of us who are facing issues that we know, we know they're bigger than us. But we know that you are the answer here. And so we pray, Father, that you might hear our prayers as we pray in faith. Let them be prayers that show, that reveal how big our faith is. We pray these things in Christ's name.